everyone. Welcome to The Survival Show Podcast. I'm David, the founder of Ultimate Survival Tips and your host for today's show. Over the past few months, as inflation has hit record highs and food prices have continued to soar with no end in sight, we've had an increasing amount of interest in one somewhat mysterious method of do-it-yourself long-term food storage, home freeze-drying. So today I'm excited to bring in the big guns on this topic, my friend, Matt Neville, the operations manager and long-term food storage guru at HarvestRite, as we discuss his personal preparedness journey and how his family came to develop the world's first affordable commercial-grade home freeze-dryer. We'll also get into the emerging food crisis and why it's still not too late to build an emergency food buffer. And then we'll discuss the four enemies of long-term food storage and how freeze-drying eliminates them to preserve your food along with its taste, freshness, and nutrition for 25 years. Then we'll get into the benefits of home freeze-dried foods over other methods of food preservation like commercially freeze-dried bulk food buckets, MREs, canned goods, dehydrating, and freezing. We'll talk about what you can and cannot freeze-dry and who freeze-drying is for, and who should look for other methods of food preservation. Then we'll discuss how you can easily build up a massive emergency food buffer worth thousands of dollars in a relatively short period of time that will taste as good in 25 years as it does today. And before we're all done, I'll drop the two big questions. How much does a home freeze-dryer cost, and how quickly can it pay for itself in real savings? I also share some of my personal experience as my wife and I have been freeze-drying leftovers, garden produce, herbs, snacks, desserts, eggs, meats, and fruits for over a year at home. And at the end, Matt and I are going to leave you with at least three action steps you can easily implement today that will increase your emergency food buffer regardless of whether you decide to home freeze-dry food or not. But before we get into the magic and mystery of freeze-drying, Would you please help us out by doing two things? One, subscribe to this podcast and give us an honest five-star review wherever you listen, if you haven't already done so. This helps your favorite family-friendly preparedness podcast get found and enables you to help others by paying it forward so they can find this podcast and prepare for what's ahead themselves so they don't come knocking at your door when things go bad. And two, go check out the mothership and the home base for this podcast and everything else we do at ultimatesurvivaltips.com. While you're there, you can grab your free subscription to my weekly survival e-mag, where you're going to get tips, tricks, practical preparedness training, chances to win MSK1 knives and gear, and you'll find a super special deal on freeze dryers at the top of the page at ultimatesurvivaltips.com. That's it. Subscribe to and review this podcast and go check out ultimatesurvivaltips.com. Thank you all for your encouragement and support of this podcast and all that we do from the YouTube channel to our MSK1 knife and tiny survival gear brands. All right, let's get into today's show. Hey, Matt. So, as we get into this podcast, the first thing I like to do, especially for new guests, is just to hear a little bit of your backstory, if you could share that with all of us, and maybe specifically key in on your own preparedness journey. 
Sure. Yeah, no problem. So um, I think I've probably been highly interested in preparedness for about 15 years now. So for a lot of your listeners, I might be pretty young and and uh, not, not uh, the most seasoned person in the preparedness industry, but um, a lot of my interest in, in preparedness, and I think we, we talked a little bit about this off podcast, but a lot of my interest in it stems just from my upbringing. Um, you know, I come from a highly religious community and a highly religious family and, um, of course, love the Bible dearly. And there is there are just numerous accounts in the Bible of famine and pestilence and all kinds of situations where people really struggle and suffer throughout history. And I guess you don't even have to necessarily look at the Bible to find um, instances of this. If you just look at history in general, you know, there have just been terrible times in the history of our world where people have really struggled. And so I think as I, I also look at it just from a historical perspective, you know, you can just think about the suffering that people go through when they, they don't have food or when the crops aren't producing or when a natural disaster occurs or there's a terrible plague or sickness in history. Um, I think if you just look with an eye towards history tends to repeat itself, um, it's smart to to be prepared and have, have a preparedness mindset, right? I don't think I'm as much of a doomsday end of the world kind of guy, but more of a prudent, like, look at what history has done and it's going to repeat itself. And often things get worse before they get better. So I think, I think that's kind of where it comes from. You know, in the Bible, you've got great stories like Joseph of Egypt who prepares the people of Egypt, right? He has that fantastic, he interprets that great dream that the Pharaoh has um, with the cows, right? The really skinny cows. And and he interprets that great dream of seven years of feast and seven years of famine. And and so if you look at that and, and how those, th- and how that shakes out and how he's able to save his family ultimately, right? As, a, as they come kind of crawling back to him in a lot of ways when, when they're starving, um, he's able to save his family literally because he was prudent, interpreted that dream and helped those Egyptian people get prepared, um, saved his family's lives, right? His dad and all his brothers and sisters and, and his, his mom and all those things as, as they were starving. And then you've got other great stories like the 10 virgins, right? That Jesus talks about. Jesus talks a lot about, you know, the five, the five who have their lamps trimmed with oil and the five who do not. And so, <clears throat> you know, as you look at the Bible, and then there are other, you know, historical portions in the, you know, historical periods in the world where, where there are just terrible plagues and pestilences, you know, as you look at the 1600s and 1700s and 1800s, and then you look at the Great Depression. I mean, there's just all kinds of things in the history of the world, um, not just in the Bible, that that if, if, if someone sits back and thinks about it just for a minute, um, it, it becomes pretty convincing that it's not a bad idea to have some food on the shelf and water and, and these days power and all these kinds of things, so... Yeah, that's really good. We've, I say in the United States, we've kind of lived 
like the last past decade, maybe two decades, under a thin veil of humanity where, where, you know, we saw a couple of years ago with, with rioting and, you know, there's just such division, not only in our country, but in the world now. And up until this point, we've all pretty much grown up in a time of relative stability, right? So it's, we want to, we want to pass over the, I guess, for us, you're talking in a historical context where where famine and and pestilence and you know great tragedies in humanity have taken place to us they seem like anom- anomalies because we've been able to live in a time where there's been i mean my entire life we've been in relative peace right but now we've got you know food supply interruptions i just read an article in epic times uh this week about this kind of emerging global war on farming, you know, something I hadn't even thought about. And my son and I just recently started, this is our first startup year in an organic farm. And, you know, it's this whole thing is, you know, we've got things going on in in some various countries and Sri Lanka just had some really big problems or some problems in Holland and Canada and of course the United States. And then, you know, you know, what if you just some really practical things? I have some friends right now for various reasons that because of inflation, their companies cut back. I have a friend that was in the cyber industry and one day 450 people were laid off and one of them was him. Hmm. Fortunately mm-hmm. for him, we're in a probably to no fault of his no own. Fault right? of his it own. was just the circumstance. It was just you know, right. they had to cut 450 people and that's what they did. And they did it very quick. Nobody even knew it was coming. So for him, fortunately, uh, we have a we have a morning Friday morning group where a bunch of guys get together and pray for each other. And we just talk about life and and help each other out. And we were talking about this several weeks ago. Fortunately for him, he was wise enough to set aside everything he needed for uh, three months. So, you know, and his whole idea was, hey, I need I need a buffer. I need a food buffer. I need a financial buffer. Just in case something happens, I'm not responding. I'm not panic buying. I'm not freaking out. I'm not getting into fear. But, you know, this whole concept of, of living, uh, you know, preparing out of love for the legacy, like your children, for, for freedom, you know, for life and kind of like preparing gives you that ability to build a buffer. So you're not responding or you're not reacting, but you have time to logically think through things and, and, you know, figure out where you need to go from there. So at the very least, um, you know, we want to encourage people to do that, but, you know, you've got job loss, you've got, you know, just rising food costs and inflation right now. And, you know, we've already seen panic buying with the whole COVID thing, right? So we've, we've all experienced that ourselves in this day and age. So uh, we've got, well, and you know how I just want to interject how awesome that your friend um, is, was responsible enough to be prepared um, so that he could deal with it on his own. Right. I mean, what an amazing thing that someone can be self-reliant enough to go through something terrible, but because he was prepared, 
he doesn't have to lean on the government. He doesn't have to lean on um, maybe necessarily even family or anyone like that. I mean, you know, it's not it's not the worst thing to do those things if you have to. But but I have to say, it's pretty neat that someone can can go through something really hard like that, and because they were prepared. Um, they can come out of it okay and they can do it, you know, they can be strong and, and what lessons he probably learns along the way and how he grows as a person, right? Going through something hard, but kind of doing it independently, if that makes sense. I think that's pretty darn neat. Yeah, I was actually really impressed and, and, uh, you know, that's sort of kind of like the vein of this particular, this not just this particular podcast, but our podcast in general, just encouraging people to not panic, but open their eyes and build some sort of a buffer that is practical and makes sense for them so that they're not responding like all of us did in one way or another uh, when all of a sudden things change, right? When the anomalies aren't anomalies anymore and, and now we're, you know, we don't want to have our backs to the wall and like you said, be dependent upon other people. We want to be, have enough self-reliance to be able to make the right decisions for ourselves and our families and, and our, the people that we love. So, well, good. So uh, are, are there any other th- reasons? Maybe let's just talk about maybe some reasons that people would specifically want to uh, build up a, uh, a freeze dry buffer. Uh, it's, you know, maybe if you don't mind, why don't we talk about some ways that people we're going to specifically talk about food and then we're going to hone in on freeze drying. Cause I know that's your particular area of passion and expertise, but uh, why don't we just talk about that? Talk about some solutions, uh, long-term food storage solutions people can consider and uh, maybe, yeah. And then we'll go from there. How's that? Okay. So I, I want to do this the right way, the way you're looking at it. Um, I mean, there are a few different ways to preserve food, right? All your listeners are probably, your subscribers are familiar with this, right? They're familiar with bottling and canning. We're familiar with freezing food and dehydrating and probably familiar with freeze drying. Um, bottling and canning is great. It's just, it's very limited, right? Um, you know, you can can peaches and some people will even can meat. Um, you do lose about 50% of the nutrition when you bottle and can food. And um, that food does have a shelf life of probably a year or two. Uh, some people try to stretch it further than that. But but most of us aren't super comfortable eating, you know, some canned meat that's five years mm-hmm. old, right? right? That that can make yep. you sick. Um and, and then there's botulism and other things if you don't do it quite right. And so you just have to be really careful when you bottle food. Um, and again, you lose about 50% of the nutrition. And, and maybe usually you, when, why when is I, that? Just to help people understand. Yeah. That. Yeah. Why is that? Yep. So when you bottle and can food, um, canning process puts that food under high heats, right? As you boil those jars to get that lid to seal. Mm-hmm. And so when you put the food under those high heats, you're immediately going to lose nutrition because you're basically cooking that food. And then the second thing is, is you have to typically use salts and sugars. Mm -hmm. Um, And so as you add all this extra sugar to peaches or something like that, or these extra salts to vegetables or meats, um, that's, that causes the nutrition to degrade. Um, 
the nutrition will also get worse and worse over time, right? So is that those peaches or, um, you know, canned corn or whatever might sit in that jar or can over time, it's just going to lose more and more nutrition as it sits there, typically because it's exposed to light. Um, and, and light's one of the things that can de- degrade the nutrition in food. And so the longer it sits in that water and, and sugar or salt solution, the, the more nutrition it loses over time. And so that's why you lose a lot of the nutrition with canning. But I'll tell you, you know, the nutrition and the quality of the food is one thing with canned food. You know, most people don't love to eat canned corn or canned peas. Um, They'd much prefer a fresh one. Um, That's one thing. And and you can survive on those kinds of foods. But the thing I hear more than anything is canning is just a giant pain um, and a lot of work. And so that's what typically I hear as the reason that deters people from canning is, you know, I, I, I talk with people who are big time homesteaders and gardeners all the time, really influential ones. And one of the first things they say to me is, I hate canning. I just hate it. And so, <laughs> and, so and, I, and I chuckle, right? I'm like, well, yeah, I know it's pain, right? Um, it's just so hot and it's so much work and, and it's just not enjoyable for me and all those kinds of things. It's, it's just kind of a pain. And so... So, you know, the nutrition and food quality aside, and, and you're limited to a lot of the things that you can bottle and can, right? You're, you, yep. And when we get into freeze drying, we can talk about how your options are almost endless. But, but so, so, so there's that part of it, right? Um, and then the next way we look at food typically is a dehydrated food. So can um, I just, can I dehyd- just go back and then we'll yeah. hit dehydrated? Sure. So sure. Um, there's some enemies of long-term food storage and you had mentioned one, which is heat. And then, well, you've mentioned a couple heat and, uh, and light. So, uh, maybe throw in here if you, if you have some more, but I've got air, light, oxygen, yep, right. oxygen, yep, oxygen, light, heat, and moisture. Yep. Yep. Am I missing it? missing anything there? Nope. You nailed it. It's those four right there, right? So you're exactly right. So, and kind of when you bottle and can, if you think about it, you have all four of those. Um, You, you mostly take away the oxygen in the canning process, right? right? When you seal that jar, but you do have the heat, you do have the light and you do have the uh, The moisture, um, the moisture, right? right? Yep. The moisture still in that food, so it can grow back. So that's why you're always going to be limited with canned, whether it's home canned or commercial canned, right? Uh huh. Yep. Yep. Yeah, that's why you're limited to a year or two at best, typically. Yep. Okay. Good. 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 So you were going to talk about uh, D. Oh, yeah. One thing I wanted to throw in. I'll tell you though. Right now, we're we're putting on blackberries, and two weeks ago it was raspberries, and the week before that it was blueberries, which still continue. Um, my wife, Karen, is is a homesteader at heart, no doubt. Uh, she is canning less, but she's she's able to can uh, just because of even the time saved since we've been, you know, running our, our uh, freeze dryer for over a year now. She's freeze drying all the time. It's it's so much easier. But I'll tell you, you, you can't you can't beat fresh canned uh, raspberry or blackberry jam. Just saying. Oh, jam. I know. You're right. You you can't, I can't argue with jam a hundred percent. Right. I mean, you get some fresh jam on toast or something like that and it's pretty darn good. Yeah. In fact, my breakfast, I'm there with you. My breakfast was a a 
open top peanut butter sandwich with uh, fresh blueberry jam. <laughs> yeah, no, that's pretty darn good. I mean, I'm not going to recommend it from a health standpoint, right? Lots of sugar in that jam, but uh, you're exactly right. Fresh jam is pretty darn good. So yeah. Okay, so let's uh, let's talk about drying or dehydrating. Yeah, so you can dehydrate food, right? People have done that for hundreds of years, um, it, probably thousands of years actually. And and when you dry out food or dehydrate food, um, again, that product quality just is what it is. Typically, people think of dehydrating um, and they think of beef jerky. Yep. And they think of apple slices dehydrated or banana uh-huh. chips, right? It's Your mind kind of goes to those three things typically with dehydrated food. Yep. Um, and when you dehydrate food, again, you're using heat to do that process. And it, it dries it out, but it causes that food to shrink and shrivel and change color and texture and all those things. And so because of that... Um, you, you don't lose 50% typically of the nutrition like you do with canning, but you lose 40% of the nutrition when you dehydrate something. Um, if you ever look at the nutrition labels on, on dehydrated food that you can purchase, um, you'll notice that you almost might as well rather, you might as well be eating like a candy bar or Skittles because they have so much sugar in them and that sugar gets so concentrated when they get dehydrated. When that food gets dehydrated, apples or mangoes or banana chips, that that it's it's a fun snack, but it isn't really something that's life sustainable or good for you at that point. Um, that nutrition just gets sucked out of it, and 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 it basically becomes like eating taffy or Skittles. Mm. Um, and that's why we like it, right? That's why it tastes right. good. That's why you get dehydrated apples or banana chips, and people munch on them. Kind of, it's kind of a feel good thing mentally, but actually, it's not. Yeah. Actually, that food's lost most of its nutrition. That dehydrated food will last typically, you know, a little longer than canned food. But that really depends on how you package it and um, how much moisture you can get out of that dehydrated food. It does not remove all the moisture. Usually you remove about 80 to 90 percent of the moisture. So it will grow bacteria, no problem. And actually, I'm probably wrong in saying it lasts longer than canned food. It probably lasts about the same time or less, usually a year or two. Yeah, I'd um, say when you home, yeah. when you home dehydrate. I'd say a year or two. That, that'd be pretty accurate. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people yeah. store, and we do here, we store, uh, we do it all. You know, there's various different reasons that we, our, our grandkids love dehydrated bananas, um, you know, stuff like that. And, you know, we try to do things as healthy as possible, but we do store in in canning jars. So, you know, there is an exposure to light. Uh, we usually don't let our, and honestly, the dehydrated foods don't last normally more than a year because, you know, we're utilizing those in a rotation here. Right, right. And, right. you know, I have had in the past also, like, uh, the trail mixes and sometimes when you have the dehydrated fruits in there, they'll actually sprinkle them with, I'm, I'm guessing it's like a confectioner sugar uh-huh. also, right? To yeah. help preserve oh, yeah, them a little sugar, bit. Lots of sugar yeah. to it. And then they'll, they'll even yeah. add some, uh, you know, unhealthy preservatives to the mix too at times. So, yep. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, usually when you're dehydrating, people who dehydrate, they're not doing it with a preparedness mindset. They're usually doing it with, kind of a mindset of let's make some snacks for the grandkids or for the kids and let's make beef jerky because 
we like to hunt and we have to do something with all this meat. And so let's make jerky because it can taste awesome, you know, it'll be a fun snack, but it's not usually, I would say, you know, most people who dehydrate aren't doing it, um, from a preparedness perspective. So. Right. Um, if you are, if dehydrating for some reason seems maybe like a step stepping stone for you or something that you might be interested for various reasons or preparedness reasons, um, there's one dehydrator that that I would recommend, and that would be the uh, Excalibur dehydrator systems. They you can adjust the heat and the time on those, and in that way you're not uh, overcooking uh, or undercooking. You know, there's different different types of fruits and vegetables and and meats and all that that just require different times and different heat settings and the the Excalibur gives you the ability to do that yeah but if you think about dehydrated food I don't know if you've ever seen like people try to dehydrate peas or corn Mm. or um, green beans if you try to dehydrate vegetables from your garden they kind of just shrivel up and turn into rocks almost like little rocks like they just don't resemble a pea or corn or green beans or tomatoes right things like that they're almost unusable and so again as we think about dehydrating really you're kind of going back to snacks you just really are you're going back to beef jerky and you're going to apple chips and banana chips you're not really preserving your garden harvest that way it just doesn't work and so um, dehydrating's great, canning's great, but they just kind of, they just have their limitations. It's, it's just scientifically, they just have their limitations. And so, and every form of food preservation does. Um, but there are good things like you mentioned, jams and jellies are awesome. And I agree hundred percent about canning. Like, you know, you're going to can jams and jellies. So awesome. So fun to have them, have that jam and jelly on your toast in the morning. Um, so great to have some beef jerky or apple chips or banana chips, but it's just pretty limited. Um, not just from a nutritional perspective and, and a a longevity, but just really what you can do with them. Mm -hmm. If that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And then we've got, then we've got frozen foods. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Right. So freezing food is, is a good way to do it. Um, freezing food definitely has its place, right? You're usually going to get a year or two out of frozen Mm -hmm. food before it gets freezer burn, right? So you have to be worried. You have to be careful about that. Make sure you're rotating. Um, People I know don't love freezing because the space is limited, right? Yes. Pretty soon my second freezer is full (laughs) and I'm thinking, do I need a third, a set, you know, do I need another freezer and another one before you know it? I have three or four freezers. Yeah. Were you monitoring our, my wife and my conversation? I mean, even though, even (laughs) though we do all of these, we're still using up freezers, right? (laughs) Right. Right. It's a real thing. Right. And so, so the space is limited with freezing. Um, the quality with freezing, I would probably put above canning or dehydrating, mm-hmm. frankly. It just is. The, the, the quality is above that. But but a lot of people don't like that you're paying power on this food all the time either, right? So how many freezers do I have to get before um, I'm just paying a lot of power all the time? You know, I might have corn in my freezer for a full year. And so I paid for power for a full year on that corn right? Before I actually ate it. Um, so there's that aspect to it. And then probably the worst aspect to it of, of all is 
if the power goes out or if I leave that door open overnight on accident, uh, do I lose all that food? Right. I, I, they're just horror stories from people that I had a whole half cow and my little boy left the freezer open and we didn't notice. And two days later, you know, I lost all that meat or the power went out or whatever. And so do I have to buy a generator backup just in case the power goes out for my freezers of meat? And people do that, right? People will go out and spend $10,000 and buy a generator just so they can make sure to not lose that food if uh, their freezers go out. I would say definitely if people are dependent upon freezing food for any sort of preparedness or, you know, just just smart. You know, you're a hunter, you're, you come up with a good deal on a, on chicken or whatever, and you put it in the freezer. You do, you absolutely do need to have a a generator backup. And so I agree with you. Grid dependence is, is a huge downfall of freezer food. Exactly. You don't want to lose that food because it's so valuable. So, and we, again, we do, we do all those things here and I I absolutely do have a generator for the freezers. So if if that's if that's what you're thinking, I I don't know. Do you lose power often? I mean, we lose we lose power for several hours to a couple of days where I live in more of a rural area of Pennsylvania. And we we lose yeah. power, you know, I would say quite frequently. Yeah, I think it just really depends on where you live, kind of to your point. Um, but I think more like a more likely scenario is someone leaves the freezer open. I think I've seen my mom do that at least three times uh, where she just oh, leaves, leaves the freezer open. And the next day, all the food is ruined right out of that second freezer. And so um, but to your point, the there are power outages that that can often be for days at a time in some locations. Um, and so we, we had that experience just a couple of years ago where we live uh, in my community, you know, someone hit a power line and one thing led to another. And before you know it, like just our little town where I live didn't have power for three days. And so all those people we're trying to scramble and get generators mm-hmm. to save their food, yep. right? Before you know it, they're spending whatever it costs to to keep their lives going for just three days, right? And that's just three days without power. Um, uh, that's just a really light scenario to try to save that food from a freezer. And so, again, it can be problematic that way. As we well. had exactly the same situation about five years ago. You could not find the generator closer than... 120 miles from the radius of where we're at because it was it was it was fairly localized in a radius of about 15 miles but that was enough to you know force people to go out and literally clean out generators in every every location that they possibly could be out to you know almost 150 miles so yeah it's very real yeah so, you know, for people who are thinking preparedness, they could be thinking, you know, hey, I'm just going to I'm just going to get some MREs or I'm going to do some bulk food stuff. I'm going to I'm going to get some beans and rice and put it put it in buckets. Uh, maybe maybe pick one of those and, and start with that. I'm curious to hear what you have to say. 
Yeah, I think you definitely want some of those bulk items on yeah. hand. Definitely beans and rice. I mean, you're not going to get nutrition out of those foods, right? So in a true emergency scenario, they will keep you alive. But pretty quickly, you will you will get sick if all you have are, are beans and rice and wheat. Um, so as far as like a nutrition-dense mm. food supply, not going to happen there. It's definitely good to, to supplement with those things and definitely good to have them on hand but they can't be the primary core of what you're doing. Um, if, if that's the case, um, you're right. You can buy MREs and you can buy freeze dried food. And I, and I think there are some good options there. Um, and we can talk about, you know, different kinds of, of freeze dried food options that you can buy. Part of the problem with commercially freeze dried food is, is it's not too different from buying rice and beans and wheat because they mostly fill that food with, with the carbs, either rice or right. noodles, and then add, add little bits of maybe vegetables or meat. Um, so where it's, you know, 70 or 80% of that meal is just carbs, the carb. Yep. Um, and so they don't have a ton of nutrition and they do add a lot of preservatives and salts and things like that um, to, to make it taste okay. Um, and so, so I guess kind of to your point, yeah, we can, we can, it's good to supplement in my opinion, really good to supplement with rice, beans, flour, bulk foods like that. Um, but as far as having some sort of nutrition dense food supply, you know, where you get your meats and your vegetables and your fruits and, and your carbs, um, that's that's really where where your mindset has to be. So um, great to supplement with those things, but but really not the ideal um, in a true emergency situation. And just to the point of MREs, which MRE it stands for Meals Ready to Eat, um, primarily used by you know, military organizations is probably where that came from, and. Um, I've got some friends in the MRE industry and it's really dead food. I mean, you're talking about nutrition dense. If there's anything that's not nutrition dense, it's going to be an MRE because they've got a, a fair shelf life of five years. But uh, the there's so many preservatives and they're cooked so much that there's really nothing left but calories, right? When you when you look on MRE websites, you typically see uh, a very calorie dense count, and that's that's kind of like the selling point. You know, our MREs give you you know 2,300 calories per meal, and again, that'll keep you going for a while. But you're gonna you're probably if you just live on MREs, you're probably gonna start to feel the effects of that depending on your current state of health within a couple of days or, you know, a week or two for sure. Yeah. And when I talk to people who have been in the military, uh, that's one complaint is there is their gut pain. But the other thing is they hate the way it tastes, right? That food just isn't good. They'll say, ah, there was a pizza one that was pretty good actually, but for the most part, it was pretty darn gross. And so, um, you get into that as well, right? What's this food quality going to be like if it's an MRE? What's what's the taste like, and and where's that nutrition? So, going to keep you alive, yes, for sure, but uh, not 
not the gold standard, right? Not, not the very best way to preserve food. So. Yeah. So I, I think we've covered, I think we've covered everything uh, except freeze drying in detail. Um, you know, not necessarily, I think all of these, again, I just want to emphasize to people, if you've been following me for a while, we, we have some of all of these, right? It's, it's not a bad idea to have, you know, have a diversity um, of various different types of mid and long-term food storage items or food items. But as we get into freeze drying a little bit more and, and just uh, talk about the advantages of, of freeze drying, can you just maybe give us a, a, a little idea of what, how freeze drying works and you know, what it actually is? I mean, I, I think it's sort of kind of a mystery to a lot of people. I know it was it was to us, and we get a lot of people who are interested in it. So if you'd kind of take us back to the basics and help us understand the process and uh, and all that, that'd be great. Yeah, sure. No problem. So freeze drying is really unique compared to other ways to preserve food because it doesn't use the high heats that other foods use. They call it freeze drying. And in its most basic form, it's called freeze drying, both those two words, right? You've got freeze and dry. And the reason for that is because what you're really doing with freeze drying is you're removing the moisture out of food at temperatures below freezing. And so um, at its most basic function, that's what the freeze dried process so does. So essentially is, you're you're eliminating two of our four enemies of long-term food storage, right? You're eliminating the heat and you're eliminating the moisture, right? Exactly. And freeze drying is the only method of food preservation where you can literally remove all the moisture. You just really can. And so at, at its most basic function, you're taking the water out at temperatures below freezing. So you're not damaging that food when you take the, the water out of it. And so that's why if you look at a freeze-dried pea versus a dehydrated pea or freeze-dried avocado versus dehydrated avocado, that freeze-dried avocado looks absolutely fresh. You can't tell. It still has its color. It still has its shape. It still looks just like it's fresh. Whereas a dehydrated avocado has shriveled up, it's turned brown, it's oxidized, right? It's lost all a lot of that nutrition and it's just very different process. So freeze drying is a really gentle way to take the water out of food to keep its color, to keep its shape, to keep its flavor, to keep its nutrition, right? And so that's why freeze drying is the gold standard of food preservation because it keeps that food as close to fresh as you can get is what freeze drying really does. Um, so at its most basic, the, the basic functionality of freeze drying is when something is freeze dried, that process takes the water out of food at temperatures below freezing. And because it does it under cold conditions, that gentle process, like I said, an avocado is a perfect example or a pea that the, the peas or corn or vegetables or meats and meals and all these things, they keep their shape, they keep their color, um, they keep their flavor and they keep their nutrition because of how gentle that process is. But if I put, if I were to put, you know, freeze dried vegetables next to dehydrated vegetables, the dehydrated vegetables really just look dead. Um, 
they're wilted, their color changed, right? Um, and they're, they're, they're really pliable and chewy. Um, and, and they're a fun snack because it concentrates those sugars, but they look dead. Whereas if you look at a freeze-dried fruit or vegetable, it looks fresh. It looks vibrant, right? It's still got that nutrition. It's still got that flavor, that color, all those things that you want, all that nutrition. And so um, as far as a method of food preservation goes, freeze-drying is just a gold standard. It just keeps that food as fresh as possible, keeps that nutrition, flavor, color, all those things. So, so what can you freeze dry and, and not freeze dry? Yeah, so that's, that's a great question. And, and, and I, we can even talk about that as, a re, as it relates to canning and dehydrating. Okay, so yeah. freeze, drying, freeze drying is basically limitless, right? I mean, whenever I talk to gardeners or homesteaders or outdoorsmen, campers, backpackers, hunters, they, they love freeze drying because uh, from a gardening perspective, right? All your fruits and vegetables, 100%, right? And lots of people who garden also have might have chickens. And so eggs, raw eggs are amazing. Oh, dry, they, right? they, Scramble they those up. Yeah, they, don't, they, they would fool you at, at how fresh they are, right? So you can freeze dry in a batch with, your free, with a home freeze dryer. You can freeze dry 50 raw eggs and add a little water back to them and make scrambled eggs or an omelet. And you would never know they weren't fresh. Um, and so... Fruits and vegetables, eggs, milk, right? Yogurt, um, cheese, cottage cheese, right? All your dairy products are amazing freeze-dried. Um, and so kind of for your gardener homesteader where you can freeze-dry all your fruits and vegetables, keep them as fresh as possible with that great, we didn't even talk about the shelf life, right? The great 25-year shelf life on these foods. Um, and then... That's kind of your gardener, homesteader, setter perspective, and, and then as you move into the camper, backpacker, um, hunter, right? Full meals are awesome freeze dried. So whatever you make for dinner, if there is leftover, don't waste it, right? If you make a chicken noodle soup, or a beef stew, or a beef stroganoff, or steak and potatoes, or you have a barbecue and you grill chicken and you grill steak and you grill pull and you make pulled pork and mac and cheese and all these kinds of things. If you have anything that's left over, freeze dry it. And you can take that with you camping, backpacking and hunting. Yeah, it's going to have that 25 year shelf life. But I was just talking to someone uh, in Alaska who has one of our freeze dryers. And they said, my goodness, we freeze dried um, chicken fettuccine Alfredo. And we had it on the coldest day in Alaska. And we added some hot water to it and had the most amazing meal. Um, just in seconds, because and, and it was food we would have otherwise tossed, right? It was food that was left over from dinner. And so by even just not wasting um, food, you can make amazing meals for camping, backpacking, and hunting, or have amazing food storage on the shelf that will last 25 years. Um, I think the, the statistics are that the average family wastes about 40% of its food. You know, that either happens as leftovers or they just don't finish dinner, um, whatever it might be. And so rather than doing that, rather than wasting any of this food, freeze dry it, freeze dry these meals, have them for amazing camping and backpacking meals um, that will last 25 years on the shelf. I also see other people, I've seen people send me pictures of freeze dried shrimp and steak and lobster at 10,000 feet. <laughs> and they just added water to it. And they said, oh my goodness, like, here we are, like 10,000 feet. And it's not like, 
a gross MRE to, to, to your, to your point earlier that, that gets you the calories, but not the nutrition and the, and the taste. And for that particular stuff. purpose, if you're backpacking in or, or you need to transport a lot of bulk food from one location to the other, it's super light. Oh, you're exactly right. Right. That, that lightweight is, is really, really amazing. And so, you know, so we talk about those things. Then we can talk about the fun things, right? I mean, we didn't talk about ice cream and pudding and jello and, you know, other candy and treats. You know, fruits and vegetables are already just a great treat just to munch on, but you can also even freeze dry ice cream. And so as we think about this compared to bottling and canning, you could never bottle and can lasagna. You can't bottle and can ice cream. You can't bottle and can raw eggs or cooked eggs. You can't bottle and can bacon. Uh, well, Maybe you can can you can buy canned bacon, but it's it's a little wonky. But you couldn't do it yourself very easily. Bottle and can of home bacon. Um, you, meat gets dicey, a little bit dicey when you can it. Whereas when you freeze dry it and add water to it, it just comes right back to fresh. You can't bottle and can fajitas, right? All these home cooked meals that you have, which honestly, in an emergency situation, how awesome to have these meals that you you know your family already likes to eat. So in my house, if we make chicken noodle soup, I know that's the chicken noodle soup my family likes to eat. So when we freeze dry it, I know that if I have that on the shelf and I have to pull that, I know that my kids will eat it and I know they'll like it and it'll be a comfort food for them. If I make a great mac and cheese or if I great make a great soup or stew or pasta dish or rice dish and I freeze dry the leftovers, I know that that food on the shelf is food and recipes that my family already likes to eat right? Which is, which is amazing. And, and people feel the same way who garden, right? And, and they know that it's the vegetables they grew. They know where they came from. They know that it's, it's the vegetables that their family likes to eat prepared the way they like to eat them. And so um, pretty nice to be able to customize it the way you like. Yeah. So a couple of really great points you brought up there. One, we're in a time as we're recording right now, where I've been encouraging people to freeze dry their summer leftovers, right? I mean, we have a couple, maybe a couple of picnics left this summer. And like what usually happens to the food? I mean, it just goes in a trash bag. Why not take that back and freeze dry it? Um, you know, you've got, for instance, church, you know, socials. You know, a lot of people, they just dump the casseroles. They make those, those would make perfect freeze dried meals. And probably a lot of people, as long as they got their dishes back, uh, would love for you to take you know, the extra food there. And, and we've got garden produce coming up everywhere. I mean, if you want, if you want some great vegetables forever that people will probably give you as many as you want for free right now, how about squash and zucchinis? <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. No, I know, right? Everyone's trying to give away their zucchini. Exactly. And there's another yeah, good thing yeah. that you brought up too, is, um, my friend Creek Stort and I did a series on, uh, basic preparedness and we talked a lot about food and he brought up the point that you store what you eat and eat what you store right so you want to be uh you want to be when you're freeze drying your leftovers you're actually freeze drying the stuff that you like and if you do have a waste percentage of of 30 25 30 40 percent you're paying off you know your freeze dryer and supplies and all pretty quick but also another thing that people don't consider until they get into an emergency situation, and I've, I've been fortunate enough to, to be in some trainings where this started to happen, you actually start to get diet fatigue, right? Um, after, after a certain while, if you're living off of rice and beans or MREs, MREs are pretty quick. You can get diet fatigue and, and like 
you know, even though you have like four or five or six different meal plans, uh, you get sick of MREs really quick. And the same thing, the same thing happens in a situation where you're having to depend on your food stores. So you can avert some diet fatigue and pull out even, I mean, imagine being in an emergency and pulling out eggs that were so easy to freeze dry and making a fresh omelet because uh, you've been able to freeze dry the eggs and the cheese, right? I mean, how how exactly. awesome would that be? Yeah. How awesome, exactly. <laughs> I'm getting hungry now. Exactly, right. I mean, I mean you think or about dessert, it. right? And so that's why it's, it's so amazing for camping, backpacking, hunting. Right, you can freeze dry peach cobbler, right? You can freeze dry apple crisp. You can freeze dry... You know, I, I see people freeze dry awesome steel cut oats that are that are that have you know their own recipe of steel cut oats with you know apples and cinnamon and and peaches and things like that, and they're steel cut oats and freeze dry them. And they're an awesome snack to just munch on, or you rehydrate them and bring them right back to fresh. Um, so the options are pretty much endless with freeze drying, right? You can't do those things with a dehydrator. You can't dehydrate chicken noodle soup. You can't dehydrate lasagna or steak and potatoes uh, or fajitas. You can't dehydrate guacamole and queso and salsa. Um, I mean, I'm a big Mexican food eater, right? I love Mexican food. And so I love to freeze dry guacamole and queso and salsa and fajitas and grilled chicken and, and even the tortillas. And I can make an amazing you know, tostada or burrito or, or, you know, chips and salsa and queso and guacamole in seconds, right? With my freeze dried stuff. And so you can never do anything like that with canning or dehydrating. It's, you just really can't. And from a freezing perspective, you know, the cool thing about freeze dried food is once that freeze dryer is complete, that food just goes on the shelf, right? So Freeze drying, the cost to run a freeze dryer is about the same as the cost to run a dehydrator, usually a little less, actually. Um, and so, but the neat thing is, is compared to freezing, I think we talked about this earlier, you might have frozen corn or peas or meat in your freezer that might sit there for a year and you're paying power on it for a whole year. The freeze dry process is about 24 hours, but then that food goes on the shelf. You're not paying power on that food for more than 24 hours. It's on the shelf at that point. And that's so a really good point. Really? Yeah. And you're not going to lose that food if the power goes out, right? Because it's shelf stable. And so um, pretty neat that you don't have to pay power on it the way you do with frozen food. The power to run a freeze dryer, like I said, is about the same as the power to run a dehydrator. But then that food goes on the shelf and it's just totally shelf stable, right? You pay power on it for 24 to 36 hours, whatever it takes to run that freeze dry batch. And then it goes on the shelf. Um, now lots of people, you can freeze dry pre-frozen food. So people who are starting to fill up freezers will often take the food right out of their freezer, or if that food in their freezer might go bad soon, they're like, shoot, that food's been in my freezer for eight months. You know, maybe I've got another six months on it before it's bad. They'll take it right out of the freezer, put it through the freeze dryer and get it on the shelf. Yep. Right. Yep. They'll make space yeah, we've done that. for more food moving forward. Yep. This first year with our freeze dryer, we've done exactly that. We've started to rotate things out of the freezer as we've needed room and put them in the freeze dryer and, and store them. And, and man, right, with, right. with food costs going up now, you know, something I was just thinking about when I was preparing for this podcast was all the food that we're putting up, regardless of, 
of the way that we're doing it. You know, I mean, we've, as I've mentioned before, we, we do a little bit of, of a lot of these different methods, but with freeze drying, you know, it's a set it and forget it for 25 years. So, you know, I don't, I don't know that costs are going to ever come down. Do they come down, Matt? I don't know, (laughs) but, but I was just thinking about like it, we're all hoping the gas prices yeah. come down, but I haven't seen it yet where I live. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but my experience through my my life has been that, you know, when you put food up, especially if you can put it up for 24 years or 25 years, it's money in the bank, right? So. That's a, yeah, I mean, how much, you're exactly right. How much is meat going to cost in 25 oh, years? Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, can you imagine? So, I mean, you know, and I don't want to be too disparaging of canning, dehydrating and freezing because they have their place. And if you're not doing anything right now, do something. Right. right? If you're not doing yes. anything, try canning. If you're not doing anything, try dehydrating. Right. There is value in those things. It's just as as you really dig into it, freeze drying is far and away the gold standard for food preservation. And it's it's not really even close compared to the others. But if you're not doing anything right now, doing something is definitely better than doing nothing. So yep. I, I just want to throw that Absolutely. in as well. So. so maybe just for a couple of minutes here, let's just talk about home freeze drying. You alluded to this earlier, but home freeze drying versus um, like the, the camping meals that are freeze dried that you can buy or other options that people can can get as far as freeze drying without having to do it themselves. Uh, I, I, I do know from experience that there's a, a huge cost uh, to getting, uh, before we got our freeze dryer, I had purchased what I thought was a lot more freeze dried food in the bulk food buckets. Uh, what I found out was the particular company that I, I bought a bunch of food buckets from they referred to everything in serving size so for instance a bucket and it's usually like a 300 calories <laughs> yeah 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 so like you know every some of the buckets said 120 servings but when you got right down to it uh, a child serving would be like or a child's meal would be like three servings and an adult's meal would be, be like six servings right so what I when I started doing the math, I was like, "Wow, I just spent on freeze dried food that was, uh, you know, like the meats, subpar. You know, uh, a lot of it, the fruit fruits uh, were pretty good, but when I looked at the cost for how many actual meals and how much time I was buying food for, it really what I thought was was going to be." Uh, three to four months really ended up being about, you know, 25 to 30 days. And, and what, what I spent was about as much as a freeze dryer cost. I'll be honest with you. It's kind of embarrassing now, but you know, I'm, I'm sort of glad to have it. You know, I kind of jump started that whole process, but when I realized that, um, you know, the cost, it, I guess is the main thing that, you know, it's, it's something that people need to be aware of. But anyway, what are some of the other uh, advantages, <laughs> comparisons to uh, home freeze drying versus commercially provided stuff that you pay for? Sure. Well, so I'll just touch on the cost really quickly. Freeze dried food's not cheap. And um, 
commercially freeze dried food rather. I I was blown away the other day. The the leading freeze drying food manufacturer in America, if you go to their website, um, they sell a one year supply of food for one person, and it's over eight thousand dollars for a one year supply of food for one person. And um, what that means is, is if you buy a freeze dryer and you're going to spend a couple thousand dollars on a freeze dryer, if you buy a freeze dryer and use it for three to four months, a couple of times a week, freeze drying leftovers, freeze drying produce that's on sale, um, freeze drying foods your family loves to eat, your freeze dryer will pay for itself within Usually it takes about 30 uses. Once you've used your freeze dryer about 30 times, it's paid for itself compared to buying freeze dried food. Um, and so if you want any substantial amount of freeze dried food, kind of to your point where you spent maybe a couple thousand dollars on what ended up being three weeks worth of food. Um, if you want any substantial amount of food for your family or yourself, if you get a freeze dryer and you're just committed to using it, you know, once or twice a week for, for at least six months, right? I mean, you're going to have your freeze dryer your whole life. So I can't imagine you're not going to get your money out of it over the span of 10 or 20 years or 30 years or whatever. But if you just commit to using it just once in a while, it will pay for itself really fast compared to buying freeze dried food. So if we look at uh, commercially freeze dried food, right? The food that you can buy, there are a lot of different brands you can go with. And um, uh, part of the problem is, is, these brands are in it to make money, right? And so the, the way freeze-dried food works is however good the quality of food is going in is what you're going to get coming out, right? So if if my peaches or my pears or my strawberries are seconds and thirds and they're damaged and they're gross to begin with when I freeze-dry them, even in my home freeze-dryer, if I put gross food in it to begin with that's not good, it's going to come out bad. Right. And and that's the case with commercially freeze dried food as well. So these companies, you know, they're typically in it to make a profit. Right. Which is which is what businesses should do. Um, but what happens is, is when they put low quality food through a freeze dryer or food that's mostly carbs or low quality produce, um, it's going to come out low quality. Right. And, and, and that's just what you get. And so. Uh, these commercially made freeze-dried products, you know, they'll keep you alive and it's still going to be better than dehydrated food or things like that. But they're really expensive and the quality just is nowhere near the quality that you can make yourself because what you start with is what you get. And so, um, you know, so, some of the meals that you can buy prepackaged, freeze-dried commercially are pretty good. Um, but often... A lot of the freeze-dried food that I've purchased is just really low quality. And so, again, you know. You bring I, up a really good point that you don't know what's going into that bag. But when it comes out, it, it might look okay and it might taste good. But it is expensive. And, for instance, uh, we do our best to uh, eat organic, non-GMO food. Try to find that in freeze-drying where when we freeze-dry a meal here or any of our other uh, items, we know what we're putting in our bags, right? Exactly, exactly. Again, you can ta tailor it to the diet your family likes. If you have picky children, if you have a gluten-free allergy, if you want to go non-GMO, um, if you want to go pesticide-free, whatever diet you care about and like, you have the full control over that um, with a freeze dryer. And so whether you're buying a freeze dryer or, or, 
or whether you have produce because you love, again, gardening and homesteading, preparedness, the outdoors, you just want to eat healthy and meal prep. Um, there's lots of reasons to get a freeze dryer, but um, for sure compared to buying freeze dried food, dehydrating, canning or freezing, freeze drying is just the best way to do it. Um, again, I will reiterate, if you're not doing any of these things, doing something is better than nothing. But if you can, if you can, freeze drying is going to be the gold standard. And it's at, at a fraction of the cost buying a freeze dryer compared to buying freeze dried food. So, so yeah, one thing, the best way to do it. I mean, it was, it was only about two years ago, right? was even made aware that there were that there were commercial grade home freeze dryers um your company uh maybe tell people a little bit a little bit about your company and as far as i can tell i don't i don't know if you guys are the only uh commercial grade home freeze dryers out there that are affordable or not i haven't i haven't been able to find any others but maybe can you take us down that rabbit hole just for a little bit yeah, yeah, sure. So this company started about 10 years ago. And of all things, it started as a freeze-dried food company. And so um, we had a freeze-dried food company, a sister company, my brother had it actually, that um, was one of the biggest freeze-dried food companies in America. But so you were all- actually producing commercially made freeze-dried food for other people? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. And kind of to your point, David, lots of people would ask us, do you have gluten-free this? Or do you have this meat that I can get? Or do you have a meal that's this or that? And, and so many people had dietary restrictions or wanted specific things or a different quality or something better than they could get. And the answer to all those questions was always, no, I can't get you the meal you want or to fit your specific diet or, um, you know, to fit your allergies or the nutrition that you want. We were just limited. You're just limited, right, with what you can do on a commercial scale. So you really understand how the commercial freeze-drying dried food industry works. So, yeah, oh, yeah. I just oh, want yeah. to note Ex- that. Exactly. Right. exactly. Okay. And so, you know, uh, of all things, my brother had the idea. He said, People ought to just be able to make their own freeze-dried food. Then they can freeze-dry whatever diet they like, whatever food they like, whatever food they might throw away, anything they grow, anything they find on a deal. People just should be able to freeze-dry their own food. And at the time, the most affordable freeze-dryer we could find was a laboratory unit that would do about, you know, six or seven pounds of food in a shot, and it was $30,000. And so we took that laboratory unit and we actually bought it. We bought one and said, how can we make this smaller? How can we make it easy to use? And how can we make it at least a tenth the cost, one tenth the cost or less? Um, you know, and, and we kind of set to work. And I don't know how else to say this, David, but it's kind of a miracle that a freeze dryer came to be. And we really believe it. We believe that it's an inspired product for people. And um, we believe that it's a product that people really need. And we believe that, 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 it, that there's inspiration involved in this to, to make this product available for people. 
And because those feats are, are almost insurmountable when, when, when you take a look at it on the onset, you know, today it might be easy to say, oh, wow, you can get a freeze dryer for $2,000, but people don't realize the complexity of a freeze dryer. Um, grandma just puts her food in and presses start and it turns, the food turns out perfect. Right. But, but there is super freezing to minus 40. There is vacuum like outer space. There is warming. There are three computer computer boards that run it. So all grandma has to do is press start and it figures out everything. There are sensors. And so um, it's, it's, it's no wonder that there wasn't a freeze dryer for under 20 to $30,000 um, before harvest, right? set to work to, to, to try to figure one out. And so, um, anyway, that's kind of a little bit of the background of, of, of what got us interested in freeze drying. We always knew that freeze dried food was the best way to preserve food, right? There's no debate there. Freeze drying is the best way to preserve food, whether you buy it commercially done or you do it yourself, freeze dried food is the best. And so, so we set out to try to figure out how to make it so you could freeze dry it yourself and have your own little unit in your house. And, um, here we are 10 years later, um, and probably, you know, over 200,000 users around the country who, who own freeze dryers and across the world who are freeze drying food and, um, doing it so successfully and so affordably and, and doing it the way they want to do it. So. Matt, that's a, an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. And if people haven't noticed by this point, uh, my wife and I, she is unfortunately not here because she's probably more of an enthusiast, uh, amazingly excited about our freeze dryer and everything. But a couple of stories real quick. When we got our freeze dryer from you guys, I handed, I, I set it up. I have ours sitting and uh, we have a couple of videos on our website at Ultimate Survival Tips uh, where... Karen and I are, are talking about freeze drying and Karen actually does a setup. And the reason she did it was pretty much all I did was uh, got it. We brought it into the house. I got one of those uh, larger craftsman rolling uh, storage toolbox units. It fit perfectly on there. And I plugged it in and I handed her the instructions and I said, here you go. I just need to know if anybody can set this up. Not that she's not capable, but she's not technologically savvy or anything. And literally that night she was freeze drying. Um, I, I, and the simplicity of it, I, I jokingly, almost jokingly, um, I like the, the idea that it's an inspired product because I've joked with people and said that it's alien technology. Like I, I don't, I don't know. Like I, I under, I'm pretty good with design and elegant design. This is an elegantly designed unit. Everything functions. It's easy. The user interface is amazing. Uh, it, it just, it just works. And I have no idea how you packed like, you know, space program technology into this unit and you're able to, uh, into, you know, able to sell it. And I'll, I will guarantee you that $30,000 lab unit you bought was much, much more complicated to use. <laughs> You're exactly right. You have to be a scientist to run that thing. And 
The goal was to make it so grandma can run it. Grandma can press start and walk away and it will do it perfect. And so you're exactly right. Those, that, those lab units, you really do need to be like a scientist to run them. Okay, so, so two big questions. And maybe before we get to those, to these questions, I just want to let people know that um, if you want to check out home freeze drying, and if you're interested in what Matt's talking about, they have a fantastic website. And we have some special deals for you today. What you need to do is you need to use this link, ultimatesurvivaltips.com forward slash freeze. That's ultimatesurvivaltips.com ultimatesurvivaltips.com forward slash freeze. And that'll take you to uh, an amazing offer that they have. Maybe Matt can talk about it a little bit more, but it's free shipping. It's a whole starter kit. It's, I think it's about or over $700 worth of bonuses. Um, plus, plus, when you buy, if you end up buying a freeze dryer through that link, I'm going to send you a special bonus. And that's going to be three of our newest products, including our just released Tiny Survival Knife and Tool Sharpener Kit. Uh, what Matt's going to do is once you buy, he's going to send me your information and I'm going to ship you out personally uh, three new items that we have in the Ultimate Survival Tip Store just as a bonus for you uh, because I really, really want to see as many people get started with this while we can. Uh, but that takes me to the question, Matt. So how much does a freeze dryer cost and how quickly can it pay for itself? Because, you know, a couple couple of thousand, I think you mentioned $2,000, a couple of thousand dollars, you know, it can seem quite significant now. Although I have noticed that you've held your prices pretty good. So I don't know if they're going to be going up soon or anything. But anyway, give us give us a general cost of, of a freeze dryer and how quickly it can uh, pay for itself. Yeah, for sure. So we're like you, David. We want we want as many people to be able to get this technology as possible, and so that's why we that's why we set out to do this is because we really believe in it. Um, all that to be said, a freeze dryer. We have three different sizes: small, medium, and large. The most popular size is the medium freeze dryer. I think that's the one that you have, mm-hmm, David. It is. Yep. Um, and uh, a freeze dryer will cost you between typically two to three thousand um, dollars. And we talked about this a little bit earlier. Um, when you compare it to buying freeze-dried food, um, usually once you've used your freeze-dryer three or four or five months, it has paid for itself compared to buying freeze-dried food. So if you get a freeze-dryer and you're committed to using it a couple of times a week over a six-month period of time, be really comfortable knowing that that it's been a great investment. Now you're Now we have customers, of course, who have made done over 500 batches or almost a thousand batches in their freeze dryer, right? Mm -hmm. If you do that much freeze drying at that point, you know, you freeze dried $40,000 worth of freeze dried food, right? And you paid $2,000 for the machine. And so it's paid for itself 10 or 20 times over. But if you get a freeze dryer and just plan to use it a couple of times a week for six months, um, you can feel really confident and comfortable in that purchase. It's really easy to use. Most people keep their freeze dryer in their garage or a utility room, um, just depending on where you have space. Um, but, but just, you know, it's a little bit of an upfront investment, like you said, David. But as far as food preservation goes, it really is that gold standard that if you can save for a freeze dryer and find a way to get one, um, it will pay for itself really quickly. 
And you can use it, of course, for long-term storage, but also like we talked about camping, backpacking, hunting, healthy eating, healthy living. You know, you buy a can of freeze-dried pineapple and it costs you $60 for a number 10 can. Mm, uh Freeze-dried pineapple is awesome. It tastes so good, right? Same with blueberries and strawberries and raspberries, but you're going to pay $40, for a number 10 can these days. Well, the cool thing about having your own freeze dryers, you can make an endless supply of this food. And so you don't have to feel guilty. Like uh, I feel guilty opening a $50 number 10 can of food and munching on it. But if you have a freeze dryer and you can make an endless supply of this food, um, you can use it day to day and really just enjoy it, right? You can enjoy that food all the time, but also have it for long-term storage. Does that make sense? It does. It does. And we've talked about, uh, you were even talking about pineapple. Uh, we had some pineapple. You know, pineapples are pretty big. And unless you have like a lot of kids and they just munch it down right away, pineapple can go bad in your in your refrigerator. Uh, instead of throwing that away, you can pop it in the freeze dryer. It's, I, you do not have to have the same items on each tray, right? So you can do some pineapple. You could do some blueberries. You could do... Uh, several different things in one batch of your freeze dryer. Is that correct, Matt? Yeah. So you could do pineapple, you could do blueberries, you could have those on the same tray and then you could do chicken noodle soup and steak and potatoes and corn and peas all at the same time. Throw some ice cream in there while you're at it. And you can <laughs> freeze dry them all at the same time in your freeze dryer. And the freeze dryer amazingly figures out how much time it needs to be in there. And it, it knows when it, when everything is perfectly done, which blows my mind (laughs) it'd be like pressing start on your microwave and your microwave knows perfectly when that food was cooked right (laughs) Right. so it's pretty cool that way but yeah that's what we do you know you'll find pineapples for a dollar a pineapple and at that point you just buy five of them and you freeze dry them right Right. you you spent five dollars on the pineapple if you were to commercially buy that pineapple freeze dried it would have cost you well over a hundred dollars but you spent five dollars on the pineapple and a dollar or two on the electricity and you're on your way, right? And so that's why a freeze-dryer pays for itself so fast compared to buying freeze-dried food. Okay, so here's what I want to do, Matt. Let's leave people with a couple of action steps moving forward. You've already mentioned one in particular. Uh, and then let's talk about, tell them about uh, maybe the deal with the freeze-dryer, and we'll let them know one more time where they can... Uh, hook up with all the bonuses. Okay. So action steps that people could easily implement today that will increase their emergency food buffer regardless. Okay. Listen to us, regardless of whether you decide to freeze dry your food or not. Um, why don't you go ahead and start? Yeah. So regardless of whether you decide to freeze dry food or not, um, it, do something, right? There you so, go. There you go. That's go it. Go yep. do something. Yep. Go do something. I mean, freeze drying is going to be the best way to do something. It does have a little bit of an upfront cost. So if you can't make that happen, at least go do something. Yep. Yeah, definitely look at the signs of the our times. <laughs> Realize that, in a sense, in world history, we've been living in a, a you know, maybe a hundred years, couple hundred years of an anomaly and that things are not looking so good right now. So you want to just commit to take an action. I just want to double up on what you're saying. Take an action to increase your emergency food buffer, no matter how big or small it currently is, right? And, and food is where you should start, in my opinion, no matter what you're looking at. And I hope that's where most people start. You, you don't need to start with power generation. You don't need to start with 
with, you know, emergency, you know, medical kits. And there are lots of things you can do for preparedness, but food and water is where you should start. And then as you look to be more and more diversely prepared, then branch out from there. But start with food and water, move into power, move into medical kits, move into, you know, skills like hunting and skill, you know, skills that are sustainable, gardening and all these kinds of things. But start with food and water and branch off from there. At least that's my opinion. That's a really good point. Yeah. Another one would be now's the perfect time to leverage surplus produce, like gardens. Like we were talking, people are giving away zucchinis right now. Like you can, if you go to church, I mean, chances are find somebody who's got a garden or there'll be a a basket of, of even tomatoes and other things just free for the taking. If you have a garden, good for you. Good for you. You're already ahead of the curve. You know, go ahead and anything that you you were thinking about freezing, you can go ahead and put it in the freeze dryer. Also, don't forget about those late summer, early fall picnics and gatherings as we get into the holiday season. Same thing, right? Uh, start freeze drying those leftovers that maybe would normally end up in a trash bucket and take that, you know, 20, 30, 40% of waste from your freezer, from meals that gets thrown away eventually and freeze dry it. Yep. Yep. Exactly. So, yep. Don't waste any food. If you have a garden, it's almost a no brainer to invest in a freeze dryer. I mean, if you're a gardener and you're going to be gardening for the next 10 years or 20 years of your life, or even five years, just get a freeze dryer now because you need to be freeze drying that food to put it on the shelf. People who garden work so hard, David. Mm-hmm. I mean, they work so hard to produce that food. Yes. They should freeze dry it and preserve it the best way possible because of how hard they work. You know, keep that food as fresh as possible for us for up to 25 years, right? I mean, you just almost owe it to yourself for how hard you work as a gardener. I'm serious. Those guys, are, people who have serious gardens put in a ton of effort. And so... Um, they, they really should freeze dry all that produce they get from, from how hard they work. Yeah, so. I agree. My wife spends probably an hour every morning in the gardens. I design them. I help, I set them up. I help plant them. And then she takes it from there and she works really hard and she is super stoked to be putting, <laughs> putting stuff almost every day in the freeze dryer now. And we didn't really mention herbs. Um, she has discovered freeze drying herbs. so. You know, just another one. If you are into uh, wild edibles or medicinal type things or spices, herbs, you can freeze dry them and they're fantastic. Um, yeah. And those those are freeze dryer dependent. But we want to just, you know, reemphasize, do something, take ac- action now, no matter how big or small your current emergency food buffer is. And remember, think about this as a buffer for the various reasons we talked about earlier, you know, leverage that surplus food that's coming off of gardens and at gatherings and stop throwing away leftovers. Right. So Matt, let's just tell people, I'll I'll tell people one more time uh, how they can connect with you and get these cool bonuses. Another simple way to do so everybody is go to our, our flagship location where everything is at and that's at ultimatesurvivaltips.com you are actually going to see on the homepage in two places a top banner uh, encouraging people to 
freeze dry uh, garden produce right now. You can click on that and take advantage of the bonuses that Matt's going to share with you. And we also have a tab on the website on the top of the page where you can see two videos that Karen and I put together. Karen did a really nice walkthrough of, of how to set up a freeze dryer and kind of like her experience in this first year of having one. And, and yeah, so go ahead, Matt, just tell people kind of like what, what they can expect if they order a freeze dryer, like what do they get and what, what kind of like specials or bonuses do you have for them uh, today through our offer? Sure. So there's a great special right now. Um, when you click David's link and go to harvestright.com, you're going to get uh, $300 off your freeze dryer. So it's just a great discount on your freeze dryer. Mm-hmm. You're also going to get free free shipping, which is uh, about a $200 value. Um, and then on top of that, you're going to get a Mylar starter kit. So not only are you going to get everything to freeze dry food, your food, but also to package it. So you're going to get Mylar bags. You're going to get oxygen absorbers and a sealer. You're going to get everything you need to freeze dry as well as package that food properly. So that way it doesn't, it takes all the guesswork out of it for you. You're going to, you're going to know exactly how to package the food. You're going to have what you need to freeze dry it. It is so easy to do this guys. It's uh, grandma buys her freeze dryer. We have 80, 90 year old, you know, men and women freeze drying, no problem packaging that food. It's so easy to do. You just press start and it runs itself, but it's a great special right now. Um, and kind of to your point, David, we, we are trying our darndest to keep offering specials like this and not raise prices, even though inflation has hit hard and we've been able to successfully do that. And uh, just, just, just have really enjoyed talking with you today about these things and, and encourage people to explore freeze drying and and get one for yourself. I, I, I assure you it will pay for itself quickly. You will love your freeze dryer and it's just a great investment for your, for your short-term and long-term food storage. That's great, Matt. So people can go, you all can go over, whether you're just curious, just, just go do it, go check it out. You can go to ultimatesurvivaltips.com, click the links on the top of the website, either one of those. You can check out our videos. And remember, if you do get a freeze dryer in the next 30 days, I'm going to send you a couple of bonuses straight straight from our shop here in my basement <laughs> and, and from our team. Uh, and that's going to be the tiny, sur- the new, brand new, just released, Tiny Survival Knife and Tool Sharpener Kit. I'm going to send you a tiny first aid guide. And I'm going to send, send you our new... Uh, set of four adventure morale patches so matt that that's awesome thank you thank you so much for coming on today yeah thank you thanks for having me it was really fun to chat with you about all these great important topics yeah keep in touch um i'm amazed that you've been able to hold your prices and uh it's fantastic Your, your company is a family company too right we are a family company, yep. So we, we get to work together and, and have a lot of fun at it. But uh, um, it's been fun to em- employ a lot of people in our community as well as, as we've been able to manufacture and, and, and uh, get these freeze dryers to people around the world. So we also employ a lot of people in our community. So we really love that. Amazing. Well, I've appreciated getting to know you over the last year, year and a half. I appreciate everything you do. I appreciate your heart. Uh, and and your family's uh, just hard work to 
get this amazing <laughs> alien, in quotes, technology <laughs> uh, to all of us. Uh, thank you. Thank you for being here. Please come back, back again sometime soon. Awesome. Sounds good, David. Okay, everyone, before we head out of here, I'd like you to do three things. First, pay it forward by sharing our family-friendly content with the ones you love and on social media. Second, go over to our mothership, ultimatesurvivaltips.com, and check it out. There's lots of free content videos and unique gear like my MSK-1 knife and tiny survival kits and guides. And while you're there, don't forget to check out the podcast tab to get the show notes for this podcast in PDF form with links to all the things that we discussed today. And while you're at ultimatesurvivaltips.com, look up to the top of the page and click the freeze dryer tab to get over $700 in bonus upgrades and starter kit items and my new tiny survival sharpener kit when you purchase any freeze dryer using our link for the next seven days. All right, everybody, I think that's about it. Thanks for joining us today. We'll see you next time on the Survival Show podcast. Until then, keep it simple. Be positive and stay sharp. Stay sharp.